The more things we can do really well, the harder we are to stop. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Welcome back to another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Rocky. I'm Hannah. And I'm Megan. And this is Fire the Cannon. All right, ladies. It has been a while. I miss y'all. We got a lot to catch up on. I miss you. I know. I love it. And let me tell you, this is my favorite time of year. We are going to be talking March Madness, of course. But for (laughs) Texas fans... We're mostly just mad, right? Sadness. So, well, well, it's March sadness in Texas. March right? sadness. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We've got a little bit of Texas baseball coming up. Our boys are moving up and looking good. And of course, y'all, spring football's back. Woo-hoo! Again, I love it. We get our first look at Texas football. We get to see the coaches in action. We get to see who's coming back. I'm excited. So let's do this, y'all. Let's jump right in. Oh, I, I got to ask y'all. How y'all been living? It's been a while since we've talked. Okay, so last time we talked, well, you left me on like a kind of a cliffhanger. My daughter was like en route to the hospital, like by ambulance uh, to have surgery. So I assume most of you guys follow us on Twitter. Most of you know that she did have surgery. It went very well. We've been doing all of that. Um, And so actually a week from now, she has her uh, four week post cast. So she's... Since then, had the cast gotten off like crazy. It's been like that long, but she's recovered extremely well. The doctor's very pleased with everything that's done. So um, one more thing I got to talk about because everybody's been like, are you okay? You've been like MIA. I've been totally fine Um, with with spring break. And then like with my daughter breaking her arm and stuff, uh, we've had lots and lots of family come into town. So um, I just mainly worried about that. And then there was a lots of house projects that I had to get done and really wanted to focus on. And then, you know, every once in a while, mama just needs a breather when it comes to social media and like, hey, just kind of like mental health breaks. Or- yes. Oh. I know. And like, <laughs> I was fine. I just needed to kind of like maybe detach and like kind of reconfigure and uh, like focus on other things for a while, but stop fighting good. the baggies for like a little bit and then hop right back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Love I'll never it. live that love down. It. Rocky, you were in Mexico. Yeah. We're buying a house in Mexico and it's a process. It's a big process and <laughs> our close date keeps getting moved around. So as of now, we're back to April 15th. We don't know. There's a, it's a whole process, but we're excited. We'll have a place by the beach soon. So we can go party on the good side of the wall. It's going <laughs> to be a blast. Live show, y'all. <laughs> party in Mexico. Everybody's invited. No, um, we've, we had run back and forth a few times to get some stuff settled. We'll go back again in a couple of weeks and hopefully close. I know. I'm so excited. And then too. school is a full-time freaking job. And it's kicking my butt right now and but that's okay I'm grateful for an education you basically stare at a computer screen like all day every day don't you Mm, (laughs) I stare at papers mostly books and papers and then I'll have a day or two where I'm at my computer all day and then I come away and read and write read and write and I come to my computer all day I'd have to have 
real books and real papers. I don't like to read off a screen. I've just, I need to write with my hands and my notes and stick post-its in and I need paper calendars, paper notes. So no, I try not because I'm against screens. I just prefer books in my hands. I do too. They actually say research shows that the human brain absorbs information better when it's read off of a page versus read off of a screen. I can believe it. Yes. Yeah, there's a distinct drop off in how we absorb information when it's on a screen. So kind of for me, like I I like, well, even if I'm reading for leisure, like just the act of turning the page and then looking, I'm sure everybody does this, looking at the like the end of the book and seeing like where your bookmark falls. And then like, if I'm studying, I like to be able to, if I, if I interact with it, meaning highlight or underline, I'm going to retain that so much better. So I'm with you a thousand percent. I totally get that. Yeah. So that's it. it. School, school and work and school and work and, and trying to get to Mexico. Megan, how are you? <laughs> Listen, I, I'm just excited to get to call you Dr. Rocky. So oh, hold your breath. You had a long time. I'm good with it. I'm in, I'm in a long time from now. <laughs> Dr. Rocky, Dr. Rocky knows best. Because Dr. Rocky knows best. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, y'all, my life's been pretty boring. I mean, really, I've just been working and dealing with longhorns and cattle and uh, going to baseball. But fun little thing, uh, my neighbor actually called me the other day and he was real worried. He had a calf that was three days old that he, that the calf wasn't nursing. He wouldn't nurse off a mama and was real sick, like so sick that he couldn't stand up on his own. The calf was in a really bad way. And so he called me just like, I don't know what to do. I know you've worked with some, your cattle. So I came over there. I had some bottles left over from when I got, you know, Smoky Boots started and um, made him some colostrum, a colostrum bottle, and then made him a formula bottle and was able to get him to drink right away. This is where wow. you know, I love my family. Yeah. My, my mom had taught me this technique on how to hold the calf and get him to take a bottle. Cause that's not a natural thing for them. Right. And right. No. Yeah. He drank right away and it was crazy. Like the immediate improvement, you know, after two bottles, he was standing on his own and able to like walk a little bit on his own, Aww. which is really great. So wow. yeah, super long story short. Um, you know, I went over to the house and I was bottle feeding the calf, you know, twice a day, at least checking on him four times a day. And after four days of bottle feeding and working with the mama, we got him to learn how to nurse and he's wow. turned back out. Yeah. And he's happy you and healthy. So. Life. Yeah. That's it's kind of cool. Again, my life is boring. It's all, it's all oh, man. You know, whatever. That's not boring. That's um, like, because that's something everybody does. <laughs> Whatever. So if Rocky is Dr. Rocky, then you were Megan, the bovine whisperer. Can we yes, just like, you are the that? calf whisperer. I mean, I don't know how sexy that is, but sure. I'll take it. I like it. <laughs> hey, you know what? When you're a Texas Longhorn, it's pretty damn sexy. I, it's fun. That's hey. pretty cool. <laughs> it's a good time. And it, you know, the funny thing is my, all of my herd could see me when I was over at the neighbors working on this, <laughs> this cow Can you imagine? and, um, and they were pissed like straight up lady bird and Gabriel yelling at me. Y'all, they could see me and they were screaming, like, what are you doing over there? You're cheating. This is bullshit. Like, they were real mad about it. So Aww, my school bird. I mean, they're that's funny. smart animals. They're super they smart. Are. So yeah, I had to go over and then like, every time I'd go feed the calf, I'd then have to go to the herd and like, give everybody attention and let them know I'm not actually cheating. I'm just helping a kid get healthy, right? Longhorn life. Also, Longhorn life is losing in the first game of the tournament. 
Hey, my heart is broken yet again. Awesome. You know, if my heart is broken, like I'm just so numb. So jaded at this point, you're just like indifferent to it. Yeah, I'm just like, well, it's just so used to it. Like, yes, jaded. Thank you. Perfect. All right. So let's talk Texas basketball and all the national media. It wasn't just Texas fans totally buying into the hype after the Big 12 championship game. They won the tournament. However, they got to the game. Doesn't matter. They won it. And then all the national media even had Texas pegged for a final four seed, losing maybe to Gonzaga in the final four. And what happens? ACU. Listen, so, so let's have that conversation. We, we all watched the game. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I threw up a poll on Twitter before, and I was actually pretty surprised at how relatively reasonable Texas fans were being given that there were only four options. It was happy to be here. Uh, you know, sweet 16 or bust, final four or bust, or, uh, you know, natty or nothing. And overwhelmingly, people said, hey, the sweet 16 is, I feel like that would, you know, about 50% of the fans said, if we make it to the sweet 16, I consider this season a success. And yeah, I, you know, I mean, in my mind, I'm going, that's reasonable. I really appreciate oh yeah. that Texas that, fans have an even keel about this. You know, we won a Big 12 championship. We've got a loaded team. Loaded. Talent and, you know, we look good. And then we shit the bed against ACU. And, man, I got to say, that hurt. And I, I drank myself into oblivion that night, as I think a lot of people did. I think the alcohol consumption in Austin went up pretty high that um, evening. There but was a, There was a spike, <laughs> for sure. But let me say the worst part about it was watching ACU in the second round just get obliterated. To me, that made the loss worse. On top of the fact that, quite honestly, ACU didn't even have a, that stellar of a game versus us. It's not like they played at their ceiling. No. Yeah, they not- were okay. We, we just weren't ready for that D. We just were not ready. And I think Texas was on their heels the whole time. We looked shell-shocked, man. And which and I'm frustrated. Have so, been with the basic scouting report, a basic scouting report would have told you that the number one in the country enforcing turnovers and right. their bench was on their feet and Texas has had and, a problem. and our guys right. was at, were asleep. And yeah. Texas has had a problem with turnovers that that has been an issue all season, season long, high. all season long. Right. Yeah, no, this definitely was a season high turnovers. But I agree, Rocky, you touched on this watching the ACU's bench they were hyped man they were ready to be there and to me the most inexcusable thing about this was that texas couldn't match the energy look i understand cinderella teams i understand happy to be here i understand the underdog mentality but listen texas texas's talent we it's almost like we jumped into this and i said this before I said this before the game, I'm worried that Texas is overlooking the first round because of all the hype they've got for everything else. And that feels like what happened. It feels like we didn't take this game seriously and got knocked on our asses early. And we just, I mean, to me, ACU was putting in the kind of defense that we've expected from Shaka the whole time. Mm -hmm. So that Shaka couldn't defend against it was problematic to me. Yeah, I was going to say, we have two massive forwards that could have gone to the basket at any time. They weren't being used. Of course, the, the shooting was 
it was horrific. But I think the biggest thing was, like you said, the energy, like where was the want to, I never want to say, oh, well, they want it because they wanted it more. No, the better team should win. But in this case, nobody could say ACU didn't play like they wanted it more. And oh my God, they wanted it more. The only reason, in my opinion, that they won is because they literally wanted it more. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think Shaka just straight up got out coached. I think ACU came in with a game plan. Texas was looking ahead and saying our style of play matches up well for the bracket that we're in. And in my opinion, completely overlooked any, completely. any kind of scouting or, or they just looked unprepared. And to me, that's on the coach. You, you don't, with the level of talent that this team has, I mean, we've got guys leaving for the NBA. We've got guys that are going to be, they're going to be making millions at the next level. And, and we have seniority on the team. We have cohesiveness that's really come together at the end of the season. To me, this just flat out was being out coached. He didn't have the team prepared for this first round. And, and I, I don't know, man, I, listen, I'm a Shaka apologist through and through I've supported him. I like him as a dude. I think he's great. I think Texas is a hard place to coach basketball at because it's a no win situation, right? We're a football school. So even if you do well as a basketball coach, people are still going to be pissed that, Oh, we're Texas. You should be doing better. And if you don't do poorly or if you don't do great, then I don't know, man, the support isn't there for a basketball program but the expectations are. I think right? that the and could be there if, 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 I mean, okay. The big 12 I just mean financially. I don't know. The U doesn't have a financial support. They came in and beat Texas. No, I get that. But like at a program at this level, the, the, you look at the disparities, of course, football is king, right? And then baseball has historically done really well for yeah, Texas. Yeah, we're like a, a straight up blue blood in baseball basketball makes enough money, but they're not pulling in the big bucks, right? Like I don't think money is why they lost. No, I'm just saying like support wise on, on a fan level on a, I mean, again, I'm just talking support wise, Texas will never be a basketball school, right? So it's a hard job to coach at. There's no question, but what we saw again, my comments are followed up with a giant, but what we saw last Saturday was not I mean, that, that, that doesn't fall under the realm of being okay on any level. I mean, even at, not being a basketball sport, look at Chris not, like when he was first hired on, like, what, what, what are your goals? Like, what are your expectations? This is posed to him as, as the athletic director. And he said, oh, I want to like, at least be competing for championships on all levels. And like, yes, so you won point, the big 12 tournament, but that's, again, that's so, so how do y'all feel? Let me ask this. Shaka, Shaka, not. right now if you're cdc do you fire him do you keep him i fire What's... he's done that's me. i love i love him as a man he's got to go as a coach yeah, yeah. i agree yeah. i six seasons and not one tournament win i agree I, and with all and the talent i agree and, and listen players. i'll say this look i know we as much as we're not a basketball school we're definitely not a women's basketball school but Vic Schaefer came in with the roster again, Charlie. Amazing. We all know amazing. she's going to be. A she's lighting it talent. up tonight. Yeah. No question. As we speak. As we but, speak. But the expectation for the women's basketball team was really low. We lost a lot of players that we were, you know, we had previously. 
it, there just wasn't high hopes. And Vic Schaefer comes in and takes a team that had solid, solid talent, um, but not a lot of expectations. And he's already in the second round. Hell, he might advance to the third. He, he they might get to the Sweet Sixteen as they're at thirty-five, fourteen right now in the second against year. number three UCLA. So, mm-hmm. so again, I I agree. How Vic Schaefer has more tournament wins in his first year than Shaka has in six, man, you got to look at that. You got, you got to look at that. You got to consider that. I don't care how nice of a human you are. Charlie strong was a super nice dude. He was a great human. Yeah. But he like, he just couldn't get coach, it done in the postseason. And yeah, that it just, or the it's season. Just not there. And, and yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I I've, we've talked to some people. We know, of course, we all know a lot of folks in, in the program. I've heard that Shaka has wanted out for a couple years. He's not happy at Texas. He's, you know, not getting the support he wants. It's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of factors, but to me, this is the perfect time to, to separate ways. Shaka can walk off and say, Hey, I was at Texas for six years. I won a big 12 championship. He'll do really well at a school like VCU. I just don't see him where he's at with his coaching right now, heading to a program that, you know, is, is going to be on the big stage. I think he does better as an underdog coach with that fiery passion than he yeah, does. he's like a Gary Patterson, but for like, for basketball, you yeah, know, I mean? less of a douchebag, right? Like much less uh, of a douchebag, like, like yeah, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean though? Like some guys just thrive at like a high intensity, like high profile school. And some guys do better when the limelight's not so much on them. And I think shock or, or the expectation. Probably that guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, just at the end of the day, like even cause I, I sounds like all of the, they love him and they support him. And we're kind of seeing that with like this exodus that's happening. They, I think there's a feeling that he's yeah, the writings on the wall, right? Oh yeah. yeah. There just comes a time when even like with football, we saw, and we are a big football, the expectations even higher for that, but you just need fresh blood. You need a good change. Yeah. But that buyout y'all, that buyout is there. Rocky, that buyout is seven, seven points. Four or five million something. I was just going to say, Manny had mentioned the exodus. It's you know so far already. Royce Ham, Donovan Williams, and today mm-hmm. Kai Jones have all announced, which we expect to Kai Jones go to the NBA. He's a projected yeah, yeah. first rounder. But uh, Royce Ham, Donovan Williams already gone. We are expecting a few more to announce that they're not coming back. We were anticipating the team next year to look completely different, but it's going to be a two or three year rebuild with a new coach probably so with the new arena coming the moody center or whatever it's gonna be called it just seems like a good time to do that like just turn that right so let me ask you this do you hold on to shaka and like we did tom herman as a lamed up coach for one more year until the new moody center is built Uh, does that make sense do we keep greg brown one more year if shaka stays no, he already said he only came to Texas because Chaka was going to be here for one year. And she, I, he's he's going to the NBA, and he if, if he gets paid oh, to play yeah. anywhere, he should go. I mean, we see that to be developed. Yeah, Greg Brown, like you said, he's on his way out. We knew that anyway. Um, well, he came in for one year. That was his. Plan. Oh yeah, he was a one and done. Make right. no mistake. Who do y'all like? Let me ask you that. Who do oh, you like? so for the the new job or yeah. for, to replace him? Oh God, to replace Chaka. Who do you like? 
I don't know, but I know what name sounds ridiculous from the same people who wanted Urban Meyer asking for fucking Patino. So oh, these people have no low bar. Like, <laughs> hello, do you have Let, no respect for your school? Yeah, Patino is it, uh, hard pass on that. Um, hard pass say, as a human. Listen, if I'm going to talk pie in the sky, crazy coaching options, let's just throw all the money at it like we do because we're the University of Texas. I don't hate the idea of Juwan Howard. He's at Michigan. He's taken them far again. Now, listen, I know that's a huge ask. I don't know if it's something he would even do, but he's a guy. I mean, he's at his alma mater where he has excelled well. He's loved by fans. Yeah, that is I don't know that all the money to it. Yeah. yeah. And look, I know Texas has the money bags to throw at him and say, hey, man, here's everything in the kitchen sink. I don't know if it's still going to be enough to pull him away, but he gets what it's like to perform at the flagship school of a state that is crazy about sports, right? The University of Michigan, as a Spartans fan, I hate saying this, but it's true. They're the flagship, right? Oh, yeah, they are. And they're rabid fans, and they're just as obnoxious as Texas fans with expectations. And he's performing under that. He understands how to get the boosters. He understands how to coach. He's been to the big dance, right? Like, he's been an NBA guy. I, I don't know. I, I like the idea. Again, this is pie Pulling in the sky. anyone away who's loving life at their alma mater, that would be a dream. That's what I'm saying. Like, not saying that he would yeah. pull away from there. He, uh, again, he'd be stupid to do it, right? He's making good money at Michigan. Unless we throw him an obscene amount of money. And it would have I, to be, like, obscene. Yeah, like, <laughs> more than football coaches, but... Unless he's just bored, like, and just wants a new challenge. But I don't think that's the case. It doesn't. He's making a deep turning around. Approach your family because you're bored. I doubt it. The thing about basketball coaching is it's, you you get these great years, great seasons. That's the reason we have Shaka Smart, right? Because he took uh, VCU to the Final Four. And so he's the hottest, coolest, biggest name in in basketball. And then a year ago, Chris Beard or whatever was the hottest, (laughs) biggest name two years ago. And so everyone jumps on this hot new coach of the year who happened to get two or three seniors, a couple of such and such, the best point guard, and boom, you're in the Final Four. Does that mean you're the you're the best coach, right? So every year there's a hot coach that people got to snatch up, and then a year later, who knows? I don't dislike basketball. Tough with the one and done, right? Like that's a thing we don't see in football. One and done is real tough with basketball, and you're rebuilding every single year. I I get it. It's tough. I don't know. It's a position that we'll definitely keep an eye on. They, They say rebuilding, and you kind of are, but like okay. Football has like an enormous roster. Basketball has a very, very tiny roster. So it's not like rebuilding, rebuilding. You know what I mean? Like there's still enough guys. Texas may only have four of our 11 back next year. Maybe. Well, that's because of this. That's the total rebuild. And we were expecting half the team to be gone anyway. We were, but again, team cohesion on a smaller team has a bigger impact. In my opinion, when you've got 11 guys on each side, and then but you've got a roster of 100. Every, this is an issue that like all of the top teams face, you know, or like most teams face, like the one and done thing. And, you know, of course, like some programs get the higher talent, so they have a higher turnover rate, but that's part of it. And it should be viewed as that right now or like by now, you know, no disagreement. I mean, you have to consider that as part of the overall picture, but I would argue that basketball it it matters more like who you have on your team matters more because there are fewer pieces to that puzzle right mm-hmm. so they have a bigger impact right so 
Right. Anyway. All right. Well, enough of that, y'all. Like, I mean, I do want to bring up one thing. Uh, we had some folks bring this up with us and, and ask about it. There is a huge disparity between how the men are treated. You know, our guys Ooh, are one yeah. and done. And how the women are treated. We saw this uh, and credit social media for this. This it went viral when the men showed up and showed their weight rooms and their training rooms. And the women get to San Antonio and they've got a single set of dumbbells. Oh, can we talk about some Title IX bullshit here right now, just for a hot minute? Can we talk about it? Like, how, how did y'all feel when you saw that? They showed us, you know, there was some great videos out, this massive Olympic training facility for the men. And then the women literally had not even what you would find in someone's home gym for to share between so many teams. Rocky, your home gym is more My home like, gym was better than what they gave the, right. the ladies, the women. But not just that. They showed the pictures of what the men were getting from welcome gifts to the tournament. Mm-hmm bed covered in anything that they could all the sponsor yeah, all the, the women like, had like a deodorant and a sticker or something and some tampons like they got a scrunchie and tampons y'all what the fuck like and, can and we scrunchie. That yeah place? can we be more sexist and then, and then the they food. showed the difference in the meals right Ugh. the men had this gorgeous buffet the women look like cold chicken to go but the one that Here, dropped, those here's all your bad. frozen Eggo waffle in a to-go box. Like, yeah, yeah. But the one thing that was really extra shitty was the difference they said in the COVID tests that they're getting, that the men are getting the full PCR, high, if it, high quality test. The women are getting the rapid, unreliable antigen test. Like everything about it just screamed inequity. On right. every level. And- what really frustrates me, you know, it, again, I'm happy it was called out on social media because yeah. there was an immediate backlash. And, you know, this is where I'm going to look and say it's bullshit that it had to happen. But I will take I will see the good in this and say social media stood up. There were a lot of high profile folks that said this isn't right. This isn't OK. You know, th- this difference. These these girls work just as hard as the guys do. And there's no reason that there should be this blatant disparity, especially from an institution that is supposed to enforce Title IX rules, right? I understand the NCAA doesn't have to live up to the same standards necessarily that they are regulating. (laughs) Clearly they don't. But But Title IX clearly states that men and women's sports should be equal with the provisions and with what they get. Yeah. And that obviously was not what was going on. Hell, it took Dick's Sporting Goods to tweet out that they had, they, Dick's literally hired moving trucks, U-Haul trucks from their San Antonio stores and said, hey, NCAA, we're locked and loaded. We're ready to bring all of this equipment and donate it for the women. It is, it's, to me, it's infuriating that that had to happen. And granted, the NCAA moved quick and then they tried to tweet it out like, Oh, look how good we are. Look how wonderful we're being. Look how equal we're being. Well, bitch, you wouldn't have done um, it if you weren't called out. You wouldn't yeah. have done anything. You should have planned that from the beginning. I saw a panel of people on ESPN trying to debate that. And of course you have some elite women, female athletes who played pro ball and they're explaining, you know, that this, how the disparity is forever. And then you have this old guy saying, well, you know, the NCAA, they, they, in a COVID year, 
in a COVID year, they couldn't prepare the same. And they're like, no, there may be some delays this year, but you managed to do it for the men. And if it wasn't a COVID year last year and the year before and the year before and the year before and all the years where you have these massive inequities. Listen, Kat McCoy, former yes. Longhorn, Kat McCoy tweeted out, she said, you know, and she was she's a Longhorn for life. Like, there's no question. She loves UT, but she was just spitting truth. She said, you know, it kind of reminds me of the time that we were in the national championship. We won the national championship and our, our welcome gift package was, I think she said like deodorant and some body soap, like dove yeah. body soap while the football team like went to the shitty bowl and lost and got big screen TVs. Like yeah. the disparity That's- is there. There's no question. And, and look, I understand the argument. Oh, well, the men's sports bring in money, blah, blah, blah. But you're talking, again, you're talking about an institution that is charged with upholding literal laws of the land, saying that women's sports and men's sports have to be equal. They have to be provided the same facilities, the same opportunities. Right. And, and this was just a huge failing, huge failing. So, you know, hell yeah, I'm glad that people spoke up. I'm glad that it was put out there. And I hope that this continues. I hope the trend of people calling the bullshit and the disparity and the inequity out continues. So anyway, that's my rant. That's my soapbox. Sorry, y'all. I, I just we'll I had to see bring that up. if it does any good. And then just yeah, maybe- you know, it, it you know hopefully it will. We're we're start, starting to see that change. So yeah. All right, y'all. So speaking of change, football. You like that? <laughs> I'm excited. This is my favorite time of year because we are full of hope. Our hearts have not been destroyed yet. My expectations are unreasonably high. Last year, this time, we were going to win a Big 12 championship. Oh, yeah, man. No reason we wouldn't with a senior quarterback. Absolutely. The weather is beautiful. My my expectations are... Flowers are blooming and there's rainbows and everything is is wonderful. Yes. And the coach is all wonderful right now. We love everything they're saying. But then... We've all drank the Kool-Aid. We're all in there 110%, but let's get down to the nitty gritty. We, we had our first day of spring practice. Um, some good positive notes coming out of that for sure. Some negatives. Let me say this first, the injuries y'all Jake Smith first day broke his foot out indefinitely. Are you kidding me? Like that poor kid. Is this just a freak accident? Is this a problem with Texas or is this just a freak thing with, with the injuries? I would say it's probably an unlucky thing. Hopefully, hopefully it's a clean break that heals quickly without any extra ligament or muscle damage around. So I, hopefully it he heals quickly. He's back running, you know, by summer. Um, but it's hopefully it's not one of those things that, that you know, that lingers. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to see. And if can, again, we've got a uh, overshown out with a shoulder injury. Um, we've got a couple of guys out that Sark mentioned in his first presser. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to see a lot of guys until we get later into fall practice. Um, but for the most part, we're pretty healthy. Um, there was some news that came out today that Juwan Mitchell potentially is out. He's, you know, in the past, he's he sniffed at transferring. He put his name in the portal, didn't get any bites. There's some rumors that he's back to that feeling, which makes me think, you know, again, with over overshone really stood out last year. I think Mitchell was a good compliment to overshone. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens to our depth if Mitchell is gone depth for spring ball? Uh, well, 
I guess like the silver lining would be like some, some of the up and coming guys will get a lot more rough. Hopefully it just reads into a lot more experience. And yeah, I think we'll be okay. But what I'm worried about is if we, if Mitchell transfers and overshone is questionable with his mm-hmm. injury, we all think he's going to be back by actual fall. Yeah. Ball, yeah. But yeah. An, a, an area, you know, that linebacker, middle linebacker space where we felt we had a lot of depth because Ford is up and coming, right? He, he had a lot of reps did well, um, got a lot of looks at, from the previous coaches. But the problem is with Mitchell out, if he leaves, we don't have the depth that we thought we had at linebacker. We were comfortable at linebacker, and now all of a sudden we're scrambling again. It's a little different when you're also introducing a brand new scheme and like brand new coaches and stuff. So it is hard to say. The least we'll see how creative um, <laughs> this new coaching staff can can adapt and, and can come up with something to razzle dazzle but I yeah it's just so hard to say we haven't seen these guys work together like it's just like it's all speculation well and that's something that Sark talked about in his presser you know there were a lot of questions about what did he feel about personnel who was going to start where who was going where and and one of the things that I really appreciated that he said he's he said look guys we know our players but we my coaching staff hasn't seen them since they played in real games last year. So we're coming at this with fresh eyes. We're starting over, you know, the competition is wide open at every position. And we heard that from Herman, but I don't know that anybody really believed it. I believe it was Sark. I I think that's something that's going to, yeah. we're really going to see that competition come out specifically kind of a microcosm of that. The Casey Thompson and Hudson card competition that's developing. Yeah. Rocky, what do you think about that? So here's Sark. They're talking about the QB battle for the spring. The biggest thing we've been getting from the quarterbacks is, you know, these guys are both um, very driven, very focused. Uh, they got a high football IQ. Uh, they really study. Uh, they prepare. When we give them something on one day, they come back and have the right answers on the next day. And so those are the, those are the things off the field we can look for now. On the field, uh, in some of our group runs, both are both are really good athletes. Um, both are really good leaders. They like to be in front. They like to take charge, which is the you know a, a kind of a clear kind of trait you have to have at that position. Um, and I think they've got a pretty good understanding of what we're trying to do offensively. Now tomorrow they need to apply it. Uh, we need to see how they react to different coverages. We need to see how they react to different blitzes. Uh, we need to see how they react to not just the successes that they'll have, but maybe some of the failures that they have um, and how they respond to the next play because that's what playing that position is all about. There you go. And he, and he mentioned in the post-practice too that they're getting, they're both getting reps at one. They're going to both get reps at one all spring. One all spring so right. there's a true QB battle going on there. So that's exciting. He also mentioned when he was asked about other players that he thinks really standing out already from camp. Dijon, Roshan, Jay Witt. Those are good names we wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And this was surprised me. Anthony Cook, he mentioned, yeah. which is exciting. If he hung around and they're already seeing a good spark from him, that's a really great sign. Five-star, one of the top recruits. Yeah, agree. State, yeah. You know, a few years ago, Josh Thompson, of course, and Alfred Collins. He had to call him oh, out. So Alfred Collins is like the, the defense's version of Bijan, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And some good yeah, athletes. On, on his end of the ball, I feel like Collins is going to turn into a Cosme, right? Like, I think he's poised to have a breakout season uh, where he's at. Well, I do want to touch base on, on the quarterback competition. Mention a couple things. 
Look, in my opinion, this is Casey and Yes, yeah, I get it. Open competition, anybody's game, blah, blah, blah. And I know that people are high on Hudson Card. I know that Sark recruited Card at Alabama. He likes what he can do. He's got a lot of lot of film on him. I don't think Sark has as much background scouting Casey because Casey was never in the play for him at Alabama, right? right. Yeah. So my opinion, what I'm going to say, I think this is Casey's job to lose. What we saw from him at the Alamo Bowl, to me, showed a player that has been ready. He stayed ready. I mean, he stepped in at the Alamo Bowl and balled out. There was no question. I mean, mm-hmm. man, I, I knew that Sammy was kind of on the fence at one point, but I honestly believe that Casey Thompson's performance at the Alamo Bowl sealed the deal for Sammy to move on to the NFL. And I felt comfortable with that. Casey yeah. has a chemistry with the team. He's been with the team for a while. He knows the guys. He's been through the changes. I think that he's got the leadership skills and the seniority. He knows this team. He's comfortable with the guys. He knows how they play. He knows what motivates them. Yeah. That goes a long way. Yeah. The breath of fresh air, like you said, but then like the one thing seriously though, that Casey Thompson now has that Hudson Cards does not have is real game experience. And that is an intangible. And that's why I also kind of feel like, like, yeah, it's, it's probably on paper, like a 50, 50 battle, but the one thing that like you can, some people fall apart in a game. Like they, they're, they're awesome. Like in practice, you know what I mean? Like we see it all the time, but Casey has proven himself and not just a game, a bowl game, like pretty like, uh, like intensity is higher. I get it's COVID and we were just way better than Colorado, but still like he stepped in and commanded his troop, like a baller, like a badass general. And like, you cannot overlook that. You know, that coach sees it. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be so interesting. He stepped up Uh, Rocky. We talked about this while we, we sat together at the Alamo bowl. We talked about this, like we, we knew Casey was good, but I think his performance kind of caught us off guard. What What are your thoughts? Alamo Bowl transfer, you know, transforming into now to spring ball. What do you think? Hopefully, like it, the, the whole system's changing fine. But I think that the intangibles, like you said, kind of those things are innate, right? Like Sark's talking about leadership, coachability, being prepared, taking the taking what they're teaching them and being able to come back the next day with the information and, and retain it and understand it and apply it. I think that's going to be the big difference. And I, I because they're coming in with a clean slate, as exciting as it was to see Casey step up and play so well in the Alamo Bowl, because they're coming in with a clean slate, I don't know that it's, and to me, I don't know that it's 90% Casey, 10% Hudson. Maybe it's 60-40 Casey Thompson, because I have a feeling that Sark saw something in Hudson card that he really, really liked, and that may fit his style. And coming in with this new this new scheme of speed, 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 that maybe that is going to, we don't know who it's going to fit yet, but I hope they both stay healthy, and I hope they compete, and I hope they make each other better all spring long. I think Sark has a completely different approach. I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. I mean, one of the things that stood out to me is that Sark talks about his players. He mentioned this a lot during his presser there. It's a three tiered learning process with his team. Mm -hmm. First, he wants the guys to understand what to do. 
Then he wants them to understand how to do it. Then he wants them to understand, and this he pointed out that this was key, why they're doing it. So I, I love that approach because it's it's not just about learn the playbook, execute, you know, the X's and O's. It's about really having that football IQ and understanding why you're doing what you're doing. That gives the team the extra step to be able to, to read plays, to be able to understand, hey, man, I get what we're calling, but it makes the players smarter on their feet to understand and adjust in real time, right? I really like that from Coach Sark. And one of the things, too, sorry, I should say Sarkeesian. I, I hear he doesn't love Sark. But it's another thing that's been noted from a lot of folks is that Sarkeesian is a 180 from where Herman was as far as coaching the coaches. And, and when it real really, really boils down to it, I think that's what we've been missing at Texas. You know, we, we've had coaches that have the pedigrees and know what they're doing. And they, Tom Herman came in as the genius of football, right? Like he's a really smart Mensa dude, but he didn't connect with people. And ultimately what I've seen so far, it seems to me that Sarkeesian is really in step with his staff. Not only is he in step, he understands what they're going to do and how he's going to be involved and trust them. He's also in a position and doing well with teaching his coaches how to coach in the way that he wants. I think that's something we haven't seen in a really, really long time, right? What, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, I like how you're, you're talking about being tied in with the coaching staff and building that relationship with the coaching staff, and then it'll build the relationships with the players. They asked him in the press conference about, is this spring ball just going to be like trying to get them to learn how you do things? But his response was pretty fascinating. He was talking about the foundation's been laid because the off-season coaching staff was instilling his expectations already. Here's what he had to say. We've laid down a lot of that foundation in our off-season conditioning program. Uh, the key to the drill for the, for the players mostly is trans, translating that now to football um, and translating that into their everyday lives and translating that into everything that we do. We don't pick and choose when to be disciplined. We don't, we don't pick and choose when to be accountable. We don't pick and choose when to be committed to the program and when not. It's an all-encompassing deal. And, you know, for, for our players to understand is now that we're going to, the, going to the field and now we're practicing football, we don't need to change. What we've instilled here over the past two months is exactly how we want them to practice. That's what you were saying, uh, Megan, that he's got the coaching staff. Everybody's on the same page. They're instilling the same discipline. And it was interesting that he said, we're not going to pick and choose when we're accountable or disciplined. It's going to be the way they do things all the time. So I'm excited about that. But we've heard the coach speak before about alignment. And, you know, it's it's hard to just say, here we go. But I feel like it, it, I feel, it feels different. It does feel different. And that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel we've seen a consistency from Sarkeesian that doesn't focus on X's and O's. It doesn't focus on, you know, winning is really hard, whatever it, 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 he has talked from day one about players, coaches, everyone looking at, and it's, there's this mentality of getting better every day, both individually and as a team. He mentioned that a couple times throughout his press conference. 
and he's mentioned it, you know, first day of spring ball. He, he talked about it a lot. I like that idea that it's the always be better, you know, whatever level you reach is never good enough. I love that idea. And I, I think Rocky, to your point, we had, we've, we've had a lot of coach speak. Um, and I am not saying this isn't coach speak, but this is Sarkeesian has been more consistent. Um, and from what I've seen, he has taken more of a ground up approach than other coaches in the past have taken, you know, especially with Herman, this came out. I mean, Herman was all about Herman and what he was doing and his schemes and his football acumen and, you know, what this was his culture, Herman's team, right? Culture. Yes. From, from what I've seen from Sarkeesian, it's more about the team progressing every day and the individuals progressing every day to work together and better the team. Again, maybe I'm reading too much into that. Maybe I've drank too much burnt orange Kool-Aid. I don't know. I, it, this, but like you said, Rocky, this feels different to me. It does. And you even see that like with like player tweets, like Deshaun Jameson, like has been super, super vo- vocal on Twitter, um, like in his support and just like little things like that. You see the team. The buy-in. In little ways. Yeah. Yes. Getting excited again. And jumping in and being vocal about it and supporting it, even like if it's like kind of little changes, but you just see a lot more and more of it. You see the buy-in and that, that gives me reason to drink Kool-Aid, a little more Kool-Aid. So the reason I would take a sip of that Kool-Aid was when he talked about the more things you do well, the harder you are to stop. It was interesting because I feel like we have been in the past kind of force-fed things that just aren't working. Uh, something's not working or if something's working great it's gone and we don't see it again for three quarters or four games i'll play this last clip for you here's sarkeesian the more things we can do really well the harder we are to stop and if you if you don't do very many things well and you're a one-dimensional operation um, you're a lot easier to stop and so you know we, we really try to impress that upon the kids of understanding hey the more things we can do well the more successes you guys will have individually, the more successes we'll have as a team and the harder we'll, we'll be to stop. Um, and so that's kind of the mindset going into it. Um, but I'm also a realist. We don't just put things in and if they don't look good, we still go out and run them in the game. Um, what, what, we, what we decide to run in game are the things that we do well. I have the exact same quote about my sex life. The more <laughs> things you do well, the harder you are to stop. I'm all in. Listen, I'm bought in. Oh I love it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Listen, (laughs) single one, right? Like both of y'all are taken, whatever it is, what it is, but no, I love it. I, I, and I agree with that mentality. I think with the previous coaching, we saw this, we're going to shove the binder down everybody's throats. I mean, shit, that's how we saw guys get hurt. Like it, it, it just, it didn't matter who we were playing or what scheme we were up against, we were going to do whatever the fuck Tom Herman thought was, you know, he was sticking with the game plan. Agree. Yeah. Like in, in what coach Sarkeesian says, yes, he has, there's a method to his madness for sure. He knows like he's, he's a pretty good offensive guru himself and he's done this head coach thing before. So he has like a general scheme, but there's also a fluidity 
to like his method. Like, and he's like, okay, this is not the same team I've had, I've had in the past. I don't know these guys as well as I will. It's a process of getting to know them, getting to know their strengths and weaknesses, and basically like how this is all going to come together in the best possible way. You know what I mean? So you like, you try something might not work. You figure it out as you go along. And while that's not always like the best method that you have to have some of that to be successful. You have to be able to like to pivot on a dime. You know what I mean? And so that's cool. Like I just love his honesty and like his humility when he talks. There's coach speak, no doubt. He just seems like an overall, like very positive person and just very like approachable, like humble guy. And that is positivity. I like the humble. That's great. I do. He's also very like sure of himself. And that's the other thing that's exactly when it comes down to it, he just, he's got his shit together and he's confident. One of the things he talked about, um, with, with the depth, a a lot of folks were asking about the depth. How are we looking? I love that he came in and said, look, we're, we're looking at this fresh. I don't care if you were one, two or three guy in last year, I'm going to look at you. He said, we might have some one guys going to two, going to three. We might have some three guys going to one. He said, I'm going to give everyone a chance. This staff is going to give everyone a chance. And and I think while we've heard that before, I think that's something that the players are actually buying into and believing this time around, right? It's not just the talk. I think we're really seeing that. And again, Hannah, to your point, we see that on social media. We see Overshown buying in. We see Jameson buying in. We see these positive tweets, not about individuals, but about the team. And I don't know that I saw that before. We're starting to see the, like, the players are talking about the coaches in a really positive light. We didn't see that a lot before. You saw a little bit when it came to their position coaches and such, but you didn't see it hardly at all. When it, other than to like Sam would occasionally refer to Tom Herman. I think that they had a very special relationship, but it's also head coach and your starting quarterback. It's going to be that way. Well, yeah. Other than Sam though, like you didn't see it directly toward Tom Herman. Yeah. I'd well, Sarkeesian's going to have to do all this amazing evaluating virtually for a while because they just paused spring practice because of COVID protocols. So that just came through. Texas will be virtual for a while until they get COVID protocols. So spring practice got one practice in. Uh, I hope everybody's okay. I thought all, half the team already had it, and this was last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. There's new variants on campus. and they I know. Yes, I hope everybody's okay, especially as the new variants are way more contagious. Are there any words on to estimated time to get back, or is it just open-ended COVID it just protocols? Says, from the Longhorn Network, breaking Texas football pauses spring practice sessions due to athletes impacted by COVID protocols. Team meetings will be virtual and they will continue COVID testing. See, so that's, I pencil that's all that's here. out just now. And the women are still at 53-41 over UCLA what? with eight minutes to play. Yeah, all listen, right. I, I was told there would be no breaks. This feels like breaks. I, I'm upset. It's all <laughs> gas, some breaks. <laughs> some breaks, a little bit of breaks. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we'll keep an eye on and we'll closely monitor, of course. I just need football in my life, y'all. I just need football in my life. So hopefully our guys are good and they come back soon. 
I'm going to go ahead and talk about the other thing that I love in my life. Yes. It's and I don't care who's mad about it. I love me some Texas baseball. I'm hyped up. I am we're too. Leg day. Leg day. Leg day. Listen, we're number nine in the nation right Woo-hoo. now. We had fans shitting their pants, really upset after our exhibition showing in Arlington. Mm-hmm. Listen, we were going, it, we had, not only did we have COVID going on, but we had the snowpocalypse. We were in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Baseball hadn't been able to practice in over a week. They literally were shuttled from their dorms to (laughs) the freaking ballpark and thrown in games. So after that, those that initial tournament poor showing, Texas has done well and they've moved up to number nine. They ran the table. They swept then number nine. U or excuse me, uh, South Carolina. And it was convincing. It wasn't even mm-hmm. questionable. Then they went into a tough Baylor. They, they went into Waco. They took two or three. They won the series. Right. Sunday was a tough game. No question. But listen, I, I'm liking what I am seeing from this Texas baseball team. There are some things. I've been high on Coach Pierce for, for a while. And I know that Kevin Dunn and I will probably <laughs> go to blows at this. He and I fight about Pierce a fair amount. Yeah, I don't agree with all of Pierce's decisions. There's some JV shit. I will agree with Kevin on that point. But for the most part, we've got a really solid team that's coming in. We've seen, uh, you know, after the, the Baylor series win with a bad loss on Sunday, Texas came back against Incarnate Word and Pierce completely switched up the starting lineup. He brought a uh, freshman in uh, out in right field. We had uh, Zubia was out. I'm not sure if that's for injury. Uh, Peter Geib made it back into the lineup for the first time in two years. And his first at bat smashes, just piss her out to right field, smashes a home run at his first at bat. So, you know, Texas fans were trembling and freaking out and talking all kinds of shit after the first series, but I'll tell you what, our bats are heating up. I really like the confidence of this team. The pitching still has some work to do. And I don't always agree with the way that Pierce makes choices to pull certain guys. Uh, I'll I'll use the example in Waco on Saturday. Texas won that game, but we had Cole Quintanilla in for an inning. He he pitched three at-bats. He pitched one inning. And then we pulled him to have Nixon come in, which didn't make sense to me because Cole was pitching well. He was he was doing good. And Nixon came in kind of cold, ended up saving it. No problem. Had some pretty fire pitches after that. But it felt like this was rotating when we didn't need to. So aside from that shit, let's let's get that over with and play the guys that are hot, play the guys that are doing well. I think this Texas team runs deep. I think we make it to the college world series this year. I, nice. I, again, I know that's a high expectation and I'm probably just really enjoying my pickle martinis here, but I really like what I'm seeing. We've, we've got team cohesiveness. We've got some athletes, man. Listen, they look Cam, good. Cam Williams is making some plays at third base. I know he's been rotated around a little bit, but He has made some athletic plays at third base. We've got Feltini, who 
his batting average isn't fabulous, but the, the athleticism he's showing and the plays he's making at shortstop, he is on par with David Hamilton. I think Faltini came in and replaced Hamilton smoothly as anyone could expect. He did a great job. Um, you know, we got Zubia coming back, who's basically yes, 47 who's years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love, I love, the, I love the walk-up songs. I do too. An old man basically is like 47 years old with two kids and a mortgage at this point. Like, my God, Zoobs, I love you. <laughs> but we've got that team leadership, you know, and we've got Petrinsky back. But I'm just saying, we, I, I just feel there's, you know, in 2018, we made this special run when Augie passed and mm-hmm. Texas baseball just gelled together. There's a different kind of vibe, but in the same kind of way, this team feels like they're feeling it. And I love that. And, and watching them, you know, day in, day out, week in and week out, I think Texas baseball has got something special going on. And again, like, I'm definitely going, like, you have a much better pulse on the baseball team than I do. Of course, we didn't even like, we had like a, like a snippet of a season last year. Um, and then I didn't even live in the area like the year before. Um, so I, I I'm, I'm with you. There's part of me that just went through this with basketball though. And like the way that Texas came out, like we were so hot and we were the number three team in the nation. And like, I'm kind of like, okay. Um, I just went through this and the experience was not so hot. So that was my thought too. Hannah. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, as a Texas fan and I've done this with football for 10 years and now I went through it with basketball and like, I'm going to, I'm going to take your word for it, but just, I, I'm going to have to watch the season play I'm out. I'm enjoying the games because I've been going as Megan's date to some of the games and I'll be <laughs> Megan's date I've been invited just to letting y'all the know. games are that. fun, Hannah, so you come. No, 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 I just, she always tells me like the morning of and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm so rude for giving you 12 hours notice to come to a game that you ignore my text. That's not my fault. Told you I didn't mean to. I was like, <laughs> Gummit, like, anyway, Megan, thanks to Megan. Like I've, I've cheered for baseball. I'll go. Years. I've gone to games over me. the years, but thanks to Megan, I'm all in. I'm no, I love fun. it. And listen, I'm going to, I'm going to emphasize this here. My boy for the year is Megan. Mike. We got leg day. Listen, y'all can talk mess about whoever you want. I don't care if you like the name or not. First of all, it's the perfect baseball nickname. Tell him again, who? It's Mike Antico, leg day. Leg day. Leg day. Leg day. And listen, no, dude does not, he's probably my height. I'm five <laughs> three. All right. He ain't tall. He's our center fielder, but homeboy never misses a leg day. It he's is amazing. Perfect. Yeah. It's, he's like it's a bowling perfect. ball, like just stout. Bro, tree trunks. He's got tree <laughs> trunks for legs. I love him. And he rocks the baseball socks, which holds a special place in my heart. It does. I like that. I appreciate that all day long. No, no, Megan is oh. going to make, Megan is going to make leg day happen. We're shouting leg it. day every time he comes up to the base. Hashtag uh, leg bat, day. It's a thing. So it's, it's exciting. It's, and it's give Megan all the credit for that great nickname. That's my dude. All right. So let's also say this. I'm, I have high expectations. No question. Um, I do think this OU series this weekend is going to be a make or break series for Texas. I think that'll really be a good gauge for where we are at baseball wise. Um, I think Texas has the ability to sweep OU, but OU is a strong team this year. So like, again, we hate them. So at home that will help. 
They hate us. Right. And don't mess with Oklahoma. Right. Mess. That's, that's where we're at. Again, Speaking of Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. This, this dude will not release his old quarterback who's now at TCU. Why? Because he says, well, transfers shouldn't play within the conference. What and an absolute asshat. Is known as transfer you at his own school who will take every transfer. Oh my goodness. Now he's he older than thou about transfers. Baker Mayfield had to sit out. And there was a huge stink over it. He was filing work everywhere blew shit up and Lincoln Riley was on the forefront of fighting for Baker Mayfield out season back and Lincoln Riley is the reason and his bitching is the reason that Baker Mayfield got an additional year oh, like, that's squeaky this is such horror and again I listen I am the first to say I am not unbiased here clearly fuck Lincoln Riley bitch yeah fuck Lincoln Riley <laughs> And, and, and again, I've said this on previous episodes. I respect Lincoln Riley as a coach. I think he stepped in. I think Lincoln Riley is a better coach than Bob Stoops. I think he's a better person than Bob Stoops. I think he is a good fit for OU. But on this particular thing, he is being a whiny little hypocritical bitch. I don't love that he has profited the most of any college team from transfers and it, it's all it's all great when they come in to OU as as quarterback transfers, and he fights for Baker Mayfield, who won the goddamn Heisman with the extra year of eligibility that they fought for. It's a hypocrite. I'm just saying it's hypocritical. I think it's crap. You know, listen, yeah, I'd love to bring somebody else on this conversation that says like, oh there's here's the other side of the argument but there is no fucking other side There's no other side other than your hypocritical bullshit and and listen i hope he gets the thrashing online and i hope he gets the thrashing publicly that he has so well deserved for this because it is such bullshit i i just my blood like my ears are hot just talking about this well i saw someone say this is gonna affect recruiting no it's not long as he wins keeps winning as long as he keeps putting players in the nfl this does not affect recruiting whatsoever lincoln riley qb listen it's not gonna hurt recruiting for him it's just a bad look bottom line it's just a bad look for him Joke. I'm not mad at Lincoln Riley having a bad look, so he can just keep <laughs> doing what he's doing and whatever. I'll, I'll continue making fun All of him. All right. Talking Fair about point. bad looks, Megan, you Yo. shared some graphics with us today. Listen, I'm oh. tired. I know a lot of people that work with branding on the Colgate level and, you know, national. Oh my God, y'all. Listen. Tamu, Texas A&M, has officially released a new logo. We'll tweet it out here in a little bit. They have changed their logo. The program of tradition and sticking with the same bullshit from 120 years ago (laughs) has released a new logo. So I'm going to try to describe it because I I know a lot of y'all are just listening. But take the the maroon A&M logo, the ATM classic mouth whatever take the maroon logo make that white and then put it on a maroon state of texas 
And that is their new primary logo. Like, I know that doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but for me as a graphic designer, Rocky, I know you are an artist. Like, Hannah, you are familiar with branding. This to me is, is a huge departure from where they were. And I think it's pretty crazy. I have thoughts on it, but I want to hear you all first. Okay. So Megan, you're, you're in marketing. I, I have my associates is graphic design. My bachelor's is art. Like I have, of course, the more education you get in art just gives you a vocabulary for what you know you like. And anybody can look at it and know whether or not they like it. But my biggest problem is one, my first thought is putting that big state of Texas is desperation to be linked to the state of Texas because they are not the flagship school of Texas. So it's a desperation the way they started putting the Texas flag on everything because they were obsessed with trying to be Texas. And then the second thing that really, really bothers me aesthetically is the top of the T is along the top of the line of Texas the bottom of Oklahoma, the bottom of Oklahoma. Yeah. and it forces this horrific eye tangent that if I were to turn that into one of my design professors, I would get laughed in the face because that tangent is so obnoxiously forced at the top right of that T that it's hideous and that's all I see and that's where my eyes drawn and it takes away from the whole balance of the design. Well, I mean, like we're all native Texans. So we know what the shape of Texas needs to look like. And everybody knows that the Red River is not straight. <laughs> we also know because we've been like, you know, to preschool <laughs> that like, if you make a capital T, like if you make it all squiggly, like it looks like dog doo-doo. Um, so, it does not, it doesn't interface well, like period. And then just, we are the University of Texas. That, way back in the 50s, we officially adopted the steer that we all know and love, like as our logo. It's simple. Everybody knows who we are. Do we need to like have a T in there for Texas? No, Do we no, have no, a state no. of Texas? No, you are no, exactly I'll right. I'll bring this up. This is, this is one thing. So Texas has a primary logo. I, Those I who aren't as obsessed with, the graphic design as I am, like there is a primary logo and then there's secondary logos, right? Right. Texas has a lot of secondary logos, but mm -hmm. the primary is the Longhorn silhouette. Right. That has, has been recognized as one of the best logos. It's iconic. Yeah. It's been recognized as one of the best logos in sports, not just college sports, but sports in general. Yeah. It does well. It's simple and easy to identify. One of the things when you're designing a logo is you have to be able to pare it down to one inch by one inch. And if it's still mm -hmm. readable at one inch by one inch, you've got a good logo. Yeah. I, I think AM's new logo is kind of bordering on that where eh, it, it's harder to read. I understand what they're trying to do. I understand that, again, as the, you know, quote unquote, little brother of the state, they tried, we run this state, that hashtag failed miserably under someone. Don't worry, one of the recruits got money from it. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't work, but I get what they're trying to do. The University of Texas is, and this is why they call us TU. They want to call us Texas University because as we sit, what our real name is, is the, the University, University of Texas, right? Like we are the flagship, we are that. So what they're trying to do with this logo is, Reclaim that. Yeah, they're trying to reclaim and put their foot as being a Texas branded school, not just a college station branded school. So 
I understand the thinking behind it. I, I get what they're trying to do. I we just all do, but they will deny it all day long. Like the I just, I don't know it's so will. freaking obvious. What, you don't put the state of Texas in the back of I your don't know that they and will, say, oh, though. We're not trying to rub in that we're also from Texas. Why would they change well, it? Otherwise, think, like, why would they argue? I don't think they're going to try to deny it. I think if I'm AM, I own that. I say, yeah, we are a part of Texas. Where what I would argue is we've done better in football than Texas did last year. We've done this, this, and this. We are just as much a part of Texas as the University of Texas is, if not more. From an Aggie point of view, that is the argument that I would make. That being said, I don't know that it's working. <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. Uh, and I have had my qualms with AM's graphic design department over the past year. They've had some. <laughs> oh, really- they put out the shittiest crap. The Auburn Grand Canyon. Is Just my player, like diving off the goddamn Grand Canyon or the, or the one, or the one humping a sheep for the ball yeah, game. A, a player fighting a pirate. They they've had random ass shit that. Doesn't Although I get the pirate one, and that was actually kind of funny. Like because I get it Leech, against Leech, I get it, but but overall Nobody, as a brand, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Probably didn't make sense to a lot of SEC fans in general because we are Texas fans and we've like, I mean, we, we, we known Leach for the last 20 years because he coached at Tech. We understand the pirate connotation. A lot of the SEC is like, like I get it. What? I, I get it, but I don't know. My, my thing is there is trying and succeeding and then, then there's trying way too fucking hard. And I feel like AM is it's teetering on that edge of it trying desperate. They are always trying hard. Like, why do they still need to like go further prove themselves? Because they still branding. haven't won anything. That's, that's why. Like, that's they're not mean. wrong. But again, it's branding. It's how you position yourself. It's where you it it's how you position yourself as a brand. So I get it. I get it. I, I'm not arguing like. I understand the why. I just don't agree with the execution. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it surprised the shit out of me. It's ballsy as fuck, and I'll give them credit for being ballsy. But I don't know that it's gonna play out the way that they want it to. Okay, so technically, if if you're saying like this is the new official one, is that gonna be the logo that shows up like on their helmets? Yep, helmets and everything, official paperwork, everything. This is okay. The- primary logo now this is my tale is that like with the state of texas with that specifically it looks a little too like d2 you you know what i mean i get it yeah like stephen f austin does the same thing difference between stephen f austin doing the sfa Mm -hmm. on the texas as a and m so i agree it's a juvenile grasp at trying to claim a yeah. piece of Texas. It's like a high school thing. Major. But I understand why they're doing it. I, I do understand it. I just I do, but I the execution was poor. Y'all go take a look at it. Listen, we've spent enough time on AM, but y'all that are <laughs> listening, go take a look at it. Mock them with us or tell us we're wrong. We want to hear the feedback. Yeah, let's tell me we're wrong. That we're absolutely right on that one. All right, two quick things. Texas women are up by nine with 114 left in the game. If they can hang on to this, it looks like they will. If they can hang on to this, they're going to the Sweet 16. We do. We breaking, off a little breaking bit. Breaking news about the football being shut down for COVID. Uh, Chip Brown is reporting that it's the running back room and the D-line room that have the positive test because they <laughs> went to Miami for spring break. 
Stop going to Florida, y'all. They Miami are the worst. Miami Beach had some players. That's what Kip Brown was reporting, that players went to Miami, and it's the running back and D-line rooms that have uh, COVID. Most um, of you know, we know hope everybody's okay. It's going to be a two-week protocol, so hopefully we get them back relatively And soon. contact tracing, so other people who've been around are out too the, now. The, the good news is, though, Texas has been smart about how they pair off players right. as far as rooming, so... The, the running back room and the D-line room, like they they tend to room together. So we should be okay there. But And fortunately, they're more experienced senior players in those rooms. So hopefully yep. that helps um, not put too much of a dent in the youngins having to learn. It's spring break. Yeah. What can, what can you do? But I'm glad they're still testing. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad we're staying on top of it. So that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close this out. Yay. Saying... We are the University of Texas. Tamu, you you try to live with that. Oh, you still sucks. Let's beat the <laughs> shit out of him this weekend, y'all. As always, we thank you for listening to Fire the Cannon. We've missed you. We'll be back soon. I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And we are Fire the Cannon.